we're starting a brand new series called How to Be Jesus uh, to Your Friends. And uh, the purpose of this is really kind of the heartbeat of our church. Uh, it's just to talk a little bit about our mission and vision. And if you uh, don't know what the mission of our church is, uh, you saw it all artfully done on the wall out there as you walked into the large room. Uh, the mission of our church is to, say it out loud with me if you know it, to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. That's the mission of our church. But the vision of our church is the why. Why do, why do, we, why do we do this, this, this humbly pointing um, and it's really, do, really because we believe we are transformed people, that we are the transformed people that are, have the opportunity to change our friends' lives by, by this absolute hope. So that's, that's the, the vision of our church, to really see people's lives be changed. And, that, and that part of that is how God uses us, because we, we are those transformed people. So the heart of this series comes from the heart of the vision and mission of our church. And I hope over the next several weeks, as we talk about how to be Jesus uh, to our friends, you're going to notice that the, the primary words there is to be Jesus. That's the primary uh, phrase that we need to focus on in this series. We hope that there's lots of, uh, of, of practical things that you're going to take away. Today, I'm focusing on what I feel like is a little bit more foundational of where everything starts. Let me share with you the verse that's kind of the anchor verse uh, for us for this series. It's from Ephesians 4. And, and Paul is uh, addressing the church in Ephesus, basically saying, listen, when you begin to understand the work of Christ in your life, when you begin to understand what he did, and you begin to understand what he is now able to do in and through you, then he says, you will no longer be immature like children. This is kind of that follow-up verse. You will no longer be immature like children. Uh, you won't be tossed about, or we won't be tossed about and blown about by every wind of new teaching, every new idea that comes, comes out. He says, we will not be influenced from people trying to trick us with lies that sound so clever, they sound like the truth. And he says, no, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. That's the anchor verse for this. First to, you know, first to even talk about how to be Jesus to our friends, we have to talk about why that's the case and what the goal is. And believe it or not, there is a goal. There is a target. There is an aim for the Christian life that we're called to live. And believe it or not, let me just tell you what it's not. It is not for you to be a better version of you. Let me just go ahead and throw that out there. That's what it's not. That's not the goal. Like, it's not the goal for Laura to be Laura 2.0, Okay. And that's not even a good goal for her. Like that's not that's not the perfect goal to have this sort of like this like just a better slightly just to you know not curse as much, not drink as heavily, you know, not and and just have more patience in traffic. That is just not the goal, right? That's not the goal. I wasn't talking about Laura specifically. Okay, that was that was an example, general example, really, except for the traffic part. No, we. We have to understand that we are called to be more and more like Jesus. That is everything in terms of the goal in which why he saved us, why we are given this new life in Christ with God. So today I want to just kind of lay out some of the foundational idea of how to be Jesus to our friends starts with a foundation in us. As a matter of fact, it starts with us being transformed. That's how, how to be Jesus to our friends Really, it starts with us be, to, for us to be transformed and us being transformed. And I want to walk through just that foundation today as we set up this series. What does that look like for you and for me? 
Paul, we're going to read a lot of Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. We're going to read a lot of his letters to the churches. Uh, Paul had a, a, had a unique way of expressing uh, spiritual growth and talking about what it looked like for us to be changed, to be transformed. He uses a lot of key words that I think when you pick up on them, you can read the New Testament on your own and begin to see it kind of pop out and jump out at you as you begin to read some of his letters because they're very consistent through his letters. But in one particular verse in Romans, the church in Rome, and to the Christians in Rome, a little bit later on in, in chapter 12, he talks specifically about this idea of transformation and, in, and the inverse of that, the, the conforming that actually can happen as well. So here's what it is in Romans 12. It says, do not conform. He's giving them the understanding that this is the way in which most people function. Uh, there's, a mold, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mold that you can be formed into and, and that kind of the, the pressure of everything can form you. That's what conforming means, to conform into a mold uh, uh, that's kind of pre-decided. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, to the mold. To the, to the, and he's not just talking, by the way, uh, in several of his letters, he's not just talking about what you think would be just like cultural, sort of evil, anti-Christian stuff. He's talking about the patterns of anything that's human teaching. He's like, don't conform to the patterns of this world but be, and say the word out loud with me, be what? Be transformed. How? By the, read that word out loud, by the renewing of your mind. He says, look, there's, there's this one way of which we, we are conformed, and then there's this other way which we are transformed, and then he uses the word by the renewing of our minds. And then he says, look, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. How many of you guys have ever wondered what God wants you to do? Raise your hand if that's, that's you. Liars, those who didn't raise your hand, you know you want to know what God wants you to do. So here's Paul saying, look, there's a way in which you can even test God's will. You can even kind of work this out in your life, and that's by, by not just conforming to the patterns around you, to the mold around you, it's by being transformed. It's by this, sake, it's by this idea of being Renewed, and the, word, the reason I like the word renewed is because we use the word transformation a lot, and sometimes when we use the word transformed, we get this idea that it's kind of a one and done, right? We get this idea that it's a one and done, that, be, be, that we're transformed people, changing our friends' lives absolutely help. Well, you think there's somewhere that you've got to arrive to in order to be that. So transformed is like this kind of thing, that this end result, if you will. No, the renewing word I love because it says you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing really is this, this, this idea of ever-changing. It's an ever-changing thing. It's not a one and done anything. Think about health. Think about the health industry where we hear the word transformation a lot, right? Like, like we don't approach that from a one and done situation. I mean, I had a healthy breakfast at some point last week. Nothing happened, <laughs> right? Like nothing happened. But what the one and done idea just doesn't, you know, we don't, assume that when it comes to health. Like we have to have a thousand breakfasts of granola instead of pancakes. Like that's how it actually works, right? Yeah, I'm not doing that either, but I'm just saying that's what it means. So why in the world would you and I believe that transformation in terms of the renewing of our minds, the renewal that comes through Christ, why would we ever think that's something that's one and done and that we can just achieve it? That's this, it's very similar. It's like, no, it's, it's a process. It's a consistent process you know, constant, ever-changing, evolving lifestyle of growing to be more and more like Christ. And I've heard people kind of make these statements before, well, I tried church. 
You know, well, I tried Christianity. I tried the church thing. I tried, I tried the Jesus thing. It didn't work. It, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work for me or it just didn't function or things didn't really change. And then there's part of me that, I mean, there's, that's a whole other message, but there's part of me that goes, okay, I just don't think you really understood what was going on. I don't think you understand the renewal process or the transformation process. You know, that Jesus is not a Band-Aid for your, for your sin boo-boo, right? I have a three-year-old if you can't tell. Um, that's, that's not what the gospel's about. He, he didn't, you know, he celebrated Easter. He didn't die. He didn't die and sacrifice himself for your sin, for your life, for the thing that you could do nothing about, and then rise again to bring you into relationship with God so that you could just be a little bit of a better person and to solve some of your problems. But that is what people begin to think when they're like, well, I just tried it. it didn't, just tried church. It didn't work. No, it's not how this works. Our, 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 our aim, our goal, the reason we've been given new life is to become more and more like Christ. That's the reason that we've been saved. And to be transformed is to be in a state, to be in a sort of constant state of renewal, that there's something being renewed in us, the way we think, the way we act. Paul would use words and examples like, uh, he'll say something like about the new man that we now are, the new creature that we now are. Uh, we are a new creation. There is a new uh, culture that we have. There's a new normal that we've been given. Here's a couple of passages um, where, where Paul kind of gives out this idea that it's really a lifestyle of renewal to understand transformation. And you'll see some of these same words, uh, and you know, again, some of these, this is Ephesians again, and we'll go back to Colossians. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, right? Your, your old normal which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on the new nature. Put on the new normal. Put on the new man. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Leave that verse up there uh, for me, Brian, if you don't mind. What I love about this, and Paul's very, very specific with his words, um, you know, it's very important for you to understand in this process that when it comes to transformation and renewal, you are not transforming you. Okay? That is not your job. Your job is not to transform you. That's his job. So who, who is renewing our thoughts and attitudes? Say it out loud. All right. The Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. It says, let him, let God renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now, there's part of that that we play a part in this, but just make it clear. You need to understand this when you read, when Paul says these things. You are being renewed. You are being transformed by him. The actual changer of your heart is God through his spirit, not you. You are not the changer. You're the one who has to have the surrendered life. You're the one who's called to to put yourself in that position to be changed. But then God is the one who does the work. He's the one who does the renewal and the transformation. Go to uh, the, the Colossians. He says the same similar language. He says to put on, right, to put on the new man, to put on the new nature, and to be, what's that word again? Renewed, to be renewed as you learn to know your creator. And what's the three words there? Become like him. Be Jesus, right? To Become like him. And it says in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. It doesn't matter how you identify yourself. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do about you. It matters what he's doing. It matters who he is. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. 
This is Paul's description of what being transformed, to be transformed looks like, is to have this renewal, to put on this new nature, to have this new normal. And, the, and it's a really good question. It's a hard question to ask, but it's a question I would challenge you to ask yourself every once in a while. And here's the question. What's new about you? Like, what's, what's new about you? Just ask yourself that every once in a while. Well, what's new? What's new about me? What's new about you? Now, you know, maybe it's the curse of being hyper-connected, but I mean, I follow a lot of you on social media that have been a part of this church for a while. We follow each other. You have your friends, you know. And, and I'll just be honest. Like, I, I probably know the new destination you went to at spring break you've never been to before. You know, the new, I, I probably knew, know the new thing you tried, you know, recently. I know all of you that tried the new cowboy restaurant, you know, because you posted something about that. Like, I, I know the new things you attempt. I probably know the new things your kids did over the past month, over the past week. But I don't know what's actually new about you. I don't, I don't know that. What's new about you? Anything? I'll be honest, I've asked that question several times in my life, and I, I got stuck. I didn't really know the answer to it. And listen, the, the, the reason I ask that is because we have to be aware of what's changing, what's being renewed. What's really different than it was before? What has God been saying uh, to you in prayer? What have you been reading recently in his word that's either bothered you or really encouraged you or maybe caused you to consider something brand new that you've never seen before? What spiritual discipline have you engaged in, like, like fasting or study or tithing that you've engaged in now? And, then, and what's God doing in it? What's God doing in and through you as you engage in that new discipline? What is new about you? And, and listen, if you struggle to answer that, if you struggle with that, with, with even just wrestling and, and being reflective with a question like that, then the chances are high. Let me just say this. Chances are high that it's somewhere along your journey you simply settled for being a better version of you instead of being more and more like Jesus. That's it. At some point along the way, there was something new. There was transformation. There was a renewing. But then you got tired, or you got comfortable, or you just realized you kind of began to kind of get in the flow with everybody else at church. And it just became about kind of keeping that speed and keeping that you know, life. And what happened is you just sort of settled to be a better version of what you used to be. That is not the goal. That is not transformation. And, you know, we're in a culture that, let's just be honest, we're in a culture that the reason we don't share our faith with other people is because, if we're really honest, we're not living a faith that's worth sharing. We're just not. We don't, we don't engage and do life with other people. We don't invite people into our lives through groups and other things. We don't engage people at work and our coworkers and our neighbors. We don't engage into their life because quite honestly, if they were to look past sort of this exterior shell, this thin layer of what we call being a Christian, they would probably notice there's not much of a new life there. And that's the state of the church right now. 
That's the state of our kind of Christian culture. There's not a whole lot new about us. We're just slightly better versions of who we used to be. And that's not the goal. So here's something that happens sometimes in counseling or when I'm in conversations with people and they, they bring up you know, this kind of thing that they're stuck or they're really not seeing God do anything and they're not really feeling all that much and they're not really doing, they're just not experiencing this new life. You know, Matt, you talk about this new life in Christ with God and I just not, I'm just not having it, I'm just not feeling it anymore. And, and somewhere along the way, and I don't use the same verbiage every single time with people, but somewhere along the way, I, I have to give people this advice, okay? And, and, and the advice is this. I want you to stop trying to be a good Christian. You just need to stop it. Okay? You, you, here, here's why. And I, and I used this example when I was down in Haiti. Uh, we had an opportunity to share with the pastors there just about the movement of God and the kingdom of God and, the, and his focus on the harvest. And as we were just talking with the pastors there, uh, I st- we started talking about the gospel. We started talking about transformation, about what actually you know, transformation is and how it changes everything. And, and I started, and I use this example because I've used this example a lot with church planters. And I knew that the passion, I knew that the Haitian pastors would get this. They would, they would understand this example maybe even better than we do. I said, listen, the, the difference between conforming to a religious system and being transformed by the renewing of our mind to become more and more like Christ is the difference between a small breeze and a mighty wind. And, I, and just seriously, I'm in Haiti. We're in this church. Um, it's two in the afternoon. I've been, we've been talking for four hours now. We're going to do about a five or six hour session. And if you think I sweat here, I was begging Jesus for a breeze, you know? So even in the moment that I'm teaching this, I'm honest with them. Like, I could use a breeze, right? and now I just, I'm just, as I even talk, I'm going, please, Jesus, just send, because there's these little brick holes in the, in the wall, and I'm just like, just send a shot of breeze through just for a moment. Because the breeze feels really good in the moment, right? It does. It feels good in the moment, but it doesn't last. And I told these pastors, and I, and I just said, listen, the difference between conforming to a religious system, trying to be a good Christian, trying to be whatever you determine that is. I don't know what your definition of a good churchgoer, a good rule follower, a good Christian means, but more than likely it is far short of actually becoming more like Jesus. So you need to stop it. Because all we're doing is just flapping our wings, creating a little bit of a breeze. That's all we're doing. A little bit of motion, a little bit of breeze, and it feels good in the moment. It feels good to not cuss when I thought I was going to cuss like I usually do. It feels good not to get drunk every night. It feels good not to yell at people in traffic. My wife even commented, oh, look how calm you are in this moment. She didn't know what was going on inside. It feels good in the moment to try to curb the behavior and conform to what you think is the right thing to do. But it's just flapping wings. It's just creating a little bit of a breeze. Guys, that is so different than the transformation of God. As, as God is described, as the Spirit is described in Scripture, as a mighty wind. I'm sitting there talking to these pastors. I said, you know, a mighty wind changes the landscape. That's what wind does. 
And they have seen their island change, their nation change from hurricanes and mighty winds that have come through. They know what that looks like. And I said, no, that's what transformation looks like. That's what it looks like when your mind begins to be renewed, when your attitudes are consistently, ever-changingly being renewed and being transformed by God. It changes who you are, not just what you do, right? Now, Paul addresses this, and this is important because Paul, Paul knew this. Like, Paul to the church in Colossus, he's, again, he, he's not just talking about the patterns of the world. He's talking about the religious systems that kind of come in on you. And he starts addressing this with the church in Colossus. So here's what he says in Colossians 2. He says, listen, you've died with Christ, and he has set you free from spiritual powers of this world. He is, you, you are living in freedom. So why? And I love this question. He says, why do you keep following the rules of this world? Such as don't handle it, don't taste it, and don't touch it. Right? That was a big deal with the religious system. He's like, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. He's like, you've been set free. Christ died. He has set you free from the power of this world. You are no longer slaves. We just sang the song, right? Why do you keep following the rules? And he goes on to actually kind of answer it for him. He says, look, such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. Maybe in our world it's a little bit more like they depreciate when you drive them off the lot. Everybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like they're just human teachings that don't hold up to anything. They deteriorate as you even engage them. And he says, these rules may seem wise. Why? Well, because they require strong devotion pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide, read the words, no help in conquering a person's evil desires. He says, listen, and I'm just telling you guys, there are churches that that, that are built off these three things, strong devotion, pious self-denial, bodily discipline. There are churches that are built off of this. And he says, I know it seems wise. We believe the harder it is, the more holy it is. Right? And he says, no, no, no. They don't actually change anything. They don't actually help someone's actual desires. Do you know how many Christians I've spoken to and talked with that have spent their life trying to be a good Christian and they have modified behavior and changed behavior and followed rules and they begin to see change and they're excited about that change and then an addiction from the past, some issue they keep struggling with is always there and they can't seem to get past it so they just hide it and then eventually it catches up with them and takes out their feet from under them because it doesn't actually help anything. It's it's like playing dress up and putting makeup on a dead, rotting corpse. That's what religion is. And Paul says, don't, why would you do that? You've been set free. And he goes on to talk in Colossians, you have a new nature, you have a new life, you're a new person, as long as you allow yourself to be renewed and to be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. So stop it. Stop whatever you think you're doing to try to be the right person you think you're supposed to be. Let him transform you. 
surrender your life. Let him do the work that only he can do. Let him kill that addiction. Let him conquer that fear. Let him fix that problem. Give him the time and the process to let you walk through the pain and the hurt of it so that you can come out the other side as an actual changed conqueror of that problem, right? Versus, well, I'm just going to change the exterior behavior a little bit. And it sure is going to look like it's been conquered. It sure is going to look like I've changed. We're only setting ourselves up. So, again in Colossians, this is a foundational verse where Paul tells them that there is a message that Paul has the, 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 the responsibility to share. This message of the gospel, this entire message of what this looks like for you. And I want this to be an encouragement to you as we close out today. I want this to be an encouragement that this, this is the reason that Paul says this right out of the gate, even before he gets to you know, the challenge of, of not following the rules and, and, and just letting God transform you and to live in the new nature. Before he gets there, he reminds them of the gospel. He reminds them of what the good news really is that begins and ends. It's the beginning and end of all transformation. And here's what he says. He says, God's given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming the entire message to you. And he goes on to explain what that is. He says, he says, the message was kept secret, right, for centuries and generations past, but it's now been revealed to God's people. He's talking about through Christ. And he goes on, for God wanted them to know the riches of the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And that's a good news for us because we are swept into that, that statement. And he says this, and the secret, and this is the secret. This is the secret. What is it? It's Christ lives in you. The NIV says it's Christ in you, it's the hope of glory. And then he says, because of that, so we tell others. So we tell others about Christ. That's the natural response. We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. That's our response. So here's the encouragement this morning. No matter where you are in your journey, that it's really not me. It's Christ in me that matters. It's really not you. It's Christ in you that matters. How do you, wanna, how do you be Jesus to your friends? Well, it's not really you. It's not really you. Listen, your friends don't need you to be a good Christian. Right? They don't need you. They don't need a better version of you. They need Christ in you. Your spouse, your coworkers, your, your neighbors, your, the people that God's put in your circle of influence and impact, they do not need, they do not need you to work in all your self-effort self and your modified behavior to make it look like there's been transformational work of Christ in your life because it's really still not about you. They need to see Christ in you. I mean, I, I gave up, I'm just telling you, I gave up trying to be a good Christian a long time ago because it was a fruitless 
endeavor. And, and you don't need Matt to be the best pastor he can be. You don't need Matt, you don't need me to be, you know, to be what in your mind is the best, you know, uh, you know, leader of a church or, uh, you know, proclaimer of the gospel or, or whatever you kind of equate for being the pastor of this church. You don't really need me to be that. What you need, what you really need is Christ in me. That's what you need. So how to be Jesus to our friends starts with the fact that you and I are to be transformed. And to be transformed it's, a, it's an ever-changing, constant renewal. So I don't care, as you ask that question, like, what's new about me? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're like, you know, honestly, at one time when I answered that question, I felt like there was a lot of things that were new. And now when I answer that question, I can't come up with anything. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you start. This process of being transformed can start, can start or restart anytime. You know, the scriptures tell us that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is the one that does the transforming work. You just got to take the step. You've heard me say that as a pastor probably a thousand times if you've been here. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I can't get you to do anything. I don't even try to get you to do anything. But I promise you that when you take steps, God is the one who meets you there and will do the work. Why do you read scripture? You don't read scripture to try to transform yourself. You open up the word of God so that he can pour himself out into you. Right? You don't fast. You don't fast and pray in order to somehow make yourself more better, a better Christian, more disciplined. You don't do any of that. You do that so that you can have an opportunity to hear from God. That's what fasting and praying is about. To hear from him. You don't live a, a life where you financially no longer trust in the riches of this world, where you are generous with your life. You don't do those disciplines because it's a right thing to do, because it's the Christian thing to do, because somehow that's a part of your transformation. No, you do that because when you take a step in trusting him, he is faithful in that step. If you want to be Jesus to your friends, you get, it starts with you and me. We've got to be transformed. And that is not a one-and-done thing, guys. That is a constant, just consistent surrender of our life to say, God, renew my mind. Don't, I've told God before, I said, God, don't ever let me change a single behavior before you renew my mind because I want that behavior change to stick. I want that to matter. I want that to be done for the right reasons. Because if, if I don't think about it differently, if, I'm not, if, if he's not really transforming the way I'm viewing it or, or, or even perceiving it, it won't matter if I do it and it looks, it looks better. It only matters when I'm being transformed. It's the mighty wind that changes the landscape of my life. And it's the only way that we can be Jesus to our friends. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful, again, just for the challenge of, of the way even Paul writes in your word that there is a new normal, there's a new nature, there's a, there's a new life for us. 
But God, so many of us, and it's just something that we are so tempted to do, we're always tempted to just stop and settle for the growth we've seen up to this point and just settle for being a slightly better version of who we used to be. And yet, God, you've called us to continue to grow in our faith, to become more and more like you. God, may we reject and just throw off our self-efforts of behavior change to try to be good Christians? Would we surrender everything in our life so that we are no longer pushed and formed or conformed into this this mold of religion or even the, the Christian culture we're in, but God, may we just continue to surrender our lives to be renewed by you. God, I pray for everyone here this morning and watching uh, that you are doing such a work in us that next week, even even in the next few days, when we dare to ask that question, what is new about me, that they would have an answer and it would be Jesus. God, we pray all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen.